0: have called keratolysis exfoliativa, uh, which again, I'll put a link in the episode description. If you don't know what that is, basically you get kind of peeling skin on your, typically your fingers and your feet. It can affect as well, palms sometimes as well. Interestingly, I actually get it, if I can show the camera, on my elbow as well, uh, which is there a little bit. Carnivore didn't actually cure that. What I actually found helped with that was actually really upping my fat. Uh, but not specifically carnivore. Mentally, I felt amazing for about six months. Lower stress, lower anxiety. I felt like I had this kind of just like shield. I used to describe it as this like stress shield around me that like nothing nothing could affect me. Nothing could affect my stress. Nothing could make me anxious. My mood was just like crazy good. Not like a manic, no, nothing like that but just really, really good. Feeling just great all the time, like zero stress, zero anxiety. Again, for about six months. My immune system, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And still to this day, my immune system is basically amazing. I'm around patients all the time with COVID and, you know, coughs and colds all the time. I've got four kids now, uh, three when I started carnival, and uh, they're always bringing stuff home from daycares and so on. But You know my immune system is just absolutely amazing and again i credit that to the carnivore diet but i had issues around six months around six months i started to notice which i've spoken a little bit about here and there but i've been worried about kind of coming out with this about six months i started to notice issues here and there i had this this stress shield that i'm talking about started to kind of maybe fade And i was starting to find myself just getting like a little bit more stressed now maybe that was changing life maybe uh we're building a house we're doing other stuff as well but we were doing all that you know near the start as well and that was actually way more stressful near the start in terms of like the house build and so on so i don't think that was the issue life didn't really change that much otherwise yes i had a baby but that again was kind of after six months of, of of carnival really i'd noticed also my libido was dropping And I've mentioned this before on the channel, you know, sexual health is incredibly important. Reproductive health is the canary in the coal mine. If your reproductive health is starting to be affected, something is wrong. You know, naturally, we are designed to reproduce. Now, whatever you want to do socially, kids and so on, that's a different story, of course. But biologically, we are designed basically to reproduce. If you're not wanting to reproduce on on a physical level, there's probably an issue going on there. And I'd started to notice that my libido was dropping. My energy levels were dropping as well. I actually experimented a little bit over that 12 months. I haven't been pure strict carnivore every single day of that 12 months. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, well, you weren't strict carnivore. That's why you had problems. No, I was strict carnivore until I started having some issues. When I say strict carnivore, I mean zero carb. So I was basically what they call BBBE bacon, beef, butter, eggs. I wasn't quite lion diet, but pretty close actually. I went pretty hardcore, like pretty strict, zero carb for at least six months. And then I started to get issues and that's when I started to experiment. So let me make that pretty clear. I actually started adding back in some dairy, fruit and vegetables. I found dairy and in retrospect, low oxalate fruit was actually boosting my energy, gave me back my libido, actually made me feel better. Oxalates were a big issue though. Uh, I didn't know at the time. I thought it was all sugar related. So I started to notice things like my chest pain was coming back, my thumb pain was coming back, and my tartar on my teeth was also coming back as well, which is all just completely gone on Carnival. So at that point, I really didn't have any clue about oxalates. Uh, I didn't really know what they were. I knew a little bit vaguely about oxalates, but I didn't really know what they were. I actually just got off the interview with Sally Norton. Make sure you guys check that out. Amazing interview. I didn't really know what they were, so I wrongly blamed the carbohydrates. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna go back to strict carnivore because I'm having some issues. I don't like this. I'll just, I'll stay strict carnivore. And things improved a little bit again, but they got worse again. And again, around maybe nine months or so, I started to get the same problems again. Lower energy, libido got significantly worse. And this was really confusing for me because again, I was strict carnivore at this point. Why was I having these issues? At the peak, maybe like what, three months in? I felt incredible. I felt like absolute Superman. I literally felt like I could conquer the world. And now six months after that, at nine months, I didn't. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have my libido as much. My stress shield was kind of disappearing. Now, again, let me get it clear, let me make it clear. I didn't feel bad. I felt great, but just not pee like I had. Things were starting to just dip. I was noticing issues. I was also noticing issues on my blood test, but we'll come back to those later. Of course, I'm a doctor as well as, in this case, a patient, and my patients were coming back to me saying similar things. And I actually looked at what they were doing and with the issues that they were having and what they were eating and what they weren't eating and actually realized that actually oxalates were a big issue, not necessarily the carbohydrates. Cause when my patients were adding back in carbohydrates that were low oxalate, they weren't having any issues. And in fact, a lot of problems were actually improving. And my problems were also improving when I added the carbs back in, but not the oxalate. So adding low oxalate carbs back in like fruits I took out things like kiwis, which I was doing early on. Kiwis and avocados, they gave me all the oxalate issues. So I left out kiwis, started adding things uh, like peach, for example. Some berries, you know, blueberries, things like that, the dairy and so on. So low oxalate carbohydrates, everything improved. My energy went up, my stress improved, this kind of stress barrier came back. My libido returned with spades and I didn't have any side effects. I didn't get the thumb pain. I didn't get the chest pain. I didn't get the arthritis and so on, my knee pain. I didn't get the tartar buildup and so on, but I was still doing a ketogenic diet. I was still pretty much like a keto. At 10 months, things were still not optimal. So at that point, I decided to try Paul Saladino's animal-based diet. I know Paul Saladino gets a very bad reputation in the carnivore community, but it's very interesting that I was also noticing very similar problems to what Paul Saladino said. He says his was maybe 12 to 18 months, mine maybe 6 to 9 months. Perhaps maybe I'm more sensitive, maybe I was doing more blood tests, more acute, I don't know, whatever it is. But I decided to try and go animal-based for an experiment, honestly, mostly to actually kind of debunk it. because. Despite what I've been experiencing, I still believed that carbs were a big problem. And I still do believe carbs are a big problem. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to do another episode on my animal-based experience uh, for three months. But spoiler, that did also have issues. What was fascinating, though, is the moment I upped the carbs even further. Again, bearing in mind, I had sh- I was feeling amazing. And then it started to go down. I added carbs back in, it went up took them out, went down, added them back in, went up, took them out, went down. When I added the carbs back in, but this was like big carbs now. So Paul's, you know, Saladin is animal-based. I think I was eating probably something like 250, 300 grams of carbs, which I do think is probably too much. In retrospect, but I felt incredible. Absolutely incredible. Honestly, I felt better than the peak of Carnival. Now, that's a big thing to say on this channel because this channel has mostly been built around the carnivore diet. And I'm expecting some hate for this, but please do keep an open mind. I felt incredible, but I was eating too much carbs and that was an issue. My blood tests also were having issues. And actually, that's a good time to talk about my blood tests. So let's go through those. So I'm gonna bring them up on the screen here. Uh, I had issues with the carnivore diet. Now, look, okay, bear in mind, this is my blood tests your mileage may vary this is my experience of the carnivore diet your mileage may vary these are all the blood tests that i've done over the last 12 months now if i did them again i would do more i would do more frequently i would do more blood tests i would do more stress markers things like dheas and so on but these are the bloods that i have to go on um, I wish that I'd done LDL subfractions. Uh, that's something, again, I've started talking about near the start of my carnivore journey. I'm gonna cover this a bit more in my like doctor review of 12 months of carnivore from my patients and so on perspective. But something I'd noticed on carnivore early on, I was saying to people, you know, that you don't really need blood tests. Carnivore is incredible. It's like the healthiest thing ever. Uh, it's amazing. Just try it, you know, see what happens, do some bloods down the line and so on if you're not feeling good. I very much changed my tune on that because of some of the issues I've seen on a carnivore diet. But again, I'm gonna cover that more in my kind of doctor review video. So I wanna go through these blood tests here. I've had them done over different labs and so on. So just, it's hard to kind of put them all into one screen. So I put them all into just like a spreadsheet. I apologize if this is just like a big kind of like data dump basically onto, onto the screen here. But I wanted to kind of, you know, Put them all out there so people can look at them look at them themselves and if you want to screenshot it whatever look fine you know i don't care that's absolutely fine if you look at the bloods you would generally see on the whole things improving until about march so i started carnivore in early october 2023 uh, so I've kind of put headings up the top here. So this is before carnivore, strict carnivore, animal-based, and then what I'm now calling the primal fusion diet, which is my diet that I currently eat and I currently teach to patients. Of course, I am pending some blood tests. I will be updating those in time, of course. So around March is kind of when things were probably doing the best for the most part. You can see here things like the testosterone. So the free testosterone here that I'm highlighting, this is, whoops, I'm dragging things around. This is the most important part. Now, these are all Australian units. These are not American units. These are Australian units. I didn't put all the units on this because it would just be overwhelming the page. So you guys, if you really want to, can look up Australian units and you can do the conversions but basically free testosterone is the main thing that we're looking at with the testosterone. The total doesn't really make that much difference. Of course, it generally higher, is generally better, Uh, but the SHBG is a really important part here as well. The free testosterone, as you can see prior to starting carnivore, was not great. And this was actually on keto. This was a lot better than it used to be. And you can see when I went carnivore, well, pretty quickly, within a couple of months, it boosted up to 400. I mean, not quite double, 50% more. It dipped a little bit, and of course, testosterone is gonna go up and down for the most part, depending on what you've been doing the day before, day off, you know, whatever, etc. cetera. Heavy exercise and so on will, will reduce it, poor sleep and, you know, all these other things. But you can see here, it pretty much went up by, I mean, not quite double, but I mean, over 50% from the baseline when I, before I started carnivore. Before I started keto, actually before I did carnivore, I was doing keto and fasting. It was actually a lot lower than this. It was actually about 150, but I just couldn't find those results to put them on. So the peak was around March. Okay. So this was about maybe what, five months in, I started in October. You can see all the other markers here. I mean, things like B12 and so on, that's pretty much going to be fine on a carnivore diet. Folate's an interesting one here because these, again, these are, these are Australian units, American units, you know, they may vary. Generally, The reference range for folate is above 7. But what we see, and I'll go down to the, the homocysteine level here as well, generally a low folate, is going to raise your homocysteine. Now, there's all sorts of things that can raise homocysteine, chronic stress, B12 deficiency, folate deficiency, zinc deficiency probably has an impact there again, iron deficiency and all sorts of other things, of course, things like MTHFR gene mutations and so on. Now, I've never tested myself, but I'm pretty sure I don't have an MTHFR gene mutation given that my homocysteine levels were generally fine near the start of carnivore, so I haven't bothered. But very interestingly, despite the reference range being seven here in Australia, we know, of course, reference ranges are mostly garbage. It was a little bit low on the carnivore diet. Now, that is to be expected because the sources of folate on the carnivore are liver, eggs and milk. But of course, on a strict carnivore diet, we're not really recommending liver, generally speaking. People like Baker, Chafee, etc. don't recommend organs. They're not recommending milk as well because of the sugar content eggs yes but you have to eat huge amounts of eggs to get enough folate so my folate actually was a little bit on the slightly low side and that is reflected in my homocysteine levels later on so near the start of carnivore I, my homocysteine was pretty decent 7.5 australian units were aiming for less than nine above nine uh, elevated risk of cardiac disease or heart disease association anyway rather than causation uh, but the folate was dipping a little bit. Now, not dramatically. It still maintained maybe about 20 around here in August. But you'll notice that my homocysteine was going up over time. Now, that doesn't really tell us enormous amounts, but it tells me that my body wasn't happy. That's the main thing with homocysteine. If your homocysteine levels are elevated, the long and short of it is it tells you that your body is not happy. It doesn't tell you why. It doesn't tell you what's going on just tells you your body's not happy. So my homocysteine levels were going up. Cortisol bounced around all over the place. So 403, 220, 320, 270. So that's neither here nor there. Cortisol does vary day to day. It's not a fantastic test for stress you know, markers and so on. I wish I'd done DHEAs. I didn't. Um, I will be doing those from now on. I do those with my patients. I just don't know why, I just didn't really do those myself. I really wish I had, because that's a very good marker of chronic stress. Going back to the blood test, we have spoke about testosterone a little bit there, but interestingly, what happened after March? So I mentioned this kind of six month period where I started to get issues. My libido was going down, my stress levels were going up and so on, and I was still doing strict carnivore at this point. My testosterone had started to go down. Now, I know people like Dr. Robert Sywes have spoke about this, the uh, low-carb addiction doc on YouTube, who spoke about carnivore patients having issues with things like testosterone down the line, adding a a little bit of carbs back into the diet, and then things bounce back up again. Maybe this was the issue with me. My testosterone starting to go down. And I know people like Bart Kay have done you know, kind of reviews of Dr. Robert Sywez's video, you know, basically saying, well, who the hell cares because testosterone goes up and down, you know, all the time. Who cares about blood results? Yes, look, that's true. That's a fair enough criticism. And, but my libido was dropping. My stress was going up. I was actually having physical issues, mental issues. It wasn't just my bloods that were being affected. So I believe this wasn't, know me overtraining or anything like that this was a genuine okay something was actually happening here every time i added back in carbohydrates i felt a little bit better and you'll see here when i went animal based my testosterone jumped up again now again look that could be coincidence but i was also feeling better when i went back and added in the carbohydrates the folate also was generally just dropping over time i mentioned folate already Again, when I went animal-based, it bumped back up to 21.9. Now, it's probably a lot higher uh, since then because I am adding some fruit here and there, which I will come to later on. My inflammatory markers, look, you can see they generally did very well. Actually, again, I'm very happy with that. So carnivore has been great for my inflammation. But again, September, what happened here, this was almost a year. This was 11, you know, 11 and a half months basically on carnivore it jumped up again. Now Again, look, that can change. Yeah, absolutely. And I know people are going to criticize this and say, look, well, you know, CRP can change, of course. Yes, fine. But that's quite a big increase. And again, you notice when I went animal-based, added back in the carbs, it started to drop down. That was only two weeks difference. And it started to drop down. Two weeks, my testosterone basically went up 50% almost again uh ferritin again another marker of inflammation interestingly around 6 months well 5 months or so this was peaking but again I mean that can change you know it's neither here nor there Uh, It did go up, though, over the course of carnivore. You can see at the start it was 164. This was even two months in. I should have done bloods right at the start, but I fell into that trap of like, oh, it's amazing. You don't need to do bloods and so on. And then again, you know, kind of when I started adding in carbohydrates and things here and there, look, it kind of started to improve a little bit. Again, TSH, again, it did go down with carnivore. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But I know some people like Saladino talk about TSH becoming suppressed. I didn't do my T3, T4 levels, Wish I had. Again, moving forwards, I'm going to do actually more in-depth blood tests. But again, when I went animal-based, my TSH went up. Very, very interesting. My urate generally stayed low, went down on carnivore. You can see here my uric acid levels. Of course, everyone says, well, red meat's going to cause gout. But my uric acid actually went down. But again, interestingly, then started to spike up later on down the line gamma gt so this is a liver function test again generally decreased interestingly a slight increase to start with and then generally went down but again you can see started to bounce back up interestingly again when i added in some carbohydrates started to go down ast alt these are intrinsic liver enzymes pointing us towards, you know, again, gamma-GT is oxidative stress, ALT, AST is more of what the liver is actually kind of dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And this can be a sign of potentially things like fatty liver and insulin resistance. Again, interestingly, it did pop up and down, but something happened here, you know, around September. And you can argue, look, maybe this was because I added some carbs back in uh, here and there. Look, maybe that is possibly the case. But when it went animal-based and added 300 grams of carbs back in, it dropped. So what was going on here? ASD went up to 44, dropped to 30 with carbs. ALT went up to 31. And if you're not sure, these again, Australian units, American units may differ. Above 25, generally, actually, the liver's not super happy. So even at 25, I wasn't super happy. And actually, it was better prior to starting carnival. My fasting glucose here on the side. Again, prior to starting carnivore, actually went down to 3.9. This was after I did some long fasting. Uh, Fasting insulin was one. So again, that was prior to starting carnivore. When I went carnivore, again, you can see generally my fasting glucose actually increased. And again, look, again, animal-based, look, it was 5.6. It was a little bit higher. But generally, actually, again, around this six-month mark, my fasting glucose was going up. My fasting insulin was seven which is still decent don't get me wrong but it's not one or two like i really wanted again it bobbed up and down but again something happened here around september and it spiked up again interestingly when i went animal based for two weeks the insulin had gone down very interesting and if it's just carb related well that should have gone back up it should have skyrocketed so why didn't it what was happening there My cholesterol, my total cholesterol near the start, it really did spike. And then it kind of settled down a little bit again. But again, interestingly, adding the carbs back in, my cholesterol dropped to 5.3. Now, again, I know people are gonna look at this and say, well, dude, you want cholesterol, cholesterol is really good for you, the more the better. Yes, look, cholesterol is very important. I've spoken on this before, of course. Cholesterol is very, very important. Our brain is, you know, essentially 60% cholesterol. Cholesterol makes up all of our hormones. Cholesterol makes up all of our cell membranes. It's incredibly important within the human body. But that is not the same. Sorry, there's a fly attacking me here in Australia. <laughs> that is not the same as saying that more is better. There's to my knowledge not that much evidence that having super high cholesterol levels is useful yes there's evidence that having higher generally cholesterol in elderly populations for example reduces the risk of things like pneumonia diabetic ulcers and you know breakdown of skin infections and so on absolutely but there may be a limit on that we don't know that more is just better regardless But again, interestingly, adding in the carbohydrates, my LDL, my total cholesterol went down. HDL, again, interestingly, went down there when I added the carbohydrates back in. So I'm not, again, I'm not saying carbohydrates are amazing. I'm not saying animal base is amazing. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just going through my blood tests as I've seen them over the last 12 months. My HDL generally improved over carnivore. But again, it did bop up and down a little bit ldl again spiked around maybe three months and then started to settle down again again interestingly when it went animal based now you can see there is a general decline here actually since this spike that may be oxalates an oxalate dumping and this theory that cholesterol will go up as a, as a sign of kind of repairing the body and actually maybe then i did that repair early on didn't actually need it so it would then was then starting to drop back down again i'm not really sure but triglycerides generally went up on carnivore so again prior to starting carnivore 0.8 this was not after a long fast this was before my fasting and again carnivore spiked to 1.3 then dropped up again bobbed up and down but again interestingly went up towards the end again went up with the animal-based diet probably just too much carbohydrates there hemoglobin platelets they, they, they pretty much just stayed relatively the same Monocytes, these are inflammatory white cells. Again, generally lower is better. I'm generally aiming below 0.5 with my patients. Again, Australian units, American may vary. Again, pretty much stayed very low throughout carnivore and so on. So, that again is not really a discussion point. Vitamin C, interestingly, this is something that I do want to talk about. So, vitamin C, prior to starting carnivore, my vitamin C levels were 37. About three months into Carnivore, I wanted to check them, and they were 12. Now, 12 is actually very low. But reference range here in Australia, I think, is uh, 25 to 50, roughly off the top of my head. Reference ranges are mostly garbage. Yes, we know that. But I do want to talk about vitamin C. I didn't do any further testing because vitamin C, it it was always going to be low because I just wasn't really consuming any. So there was no point in really testing it. And the reference ranges are mostly garbage. So we don't need to worry too much about that. But i did have issues with vitamin c on the carnivore diet now again i know people like bark if he wants to look at this video and review it look by all means hi professor bark if you want to look at this video and do a takedown whatever look fine no problem get in touch we can talk about it but i had issues with vitamin c deficiency no i did not have scurvy i did not have bleeding gums my teeth are better than ever my dentist is super happy but I was developing issues with coiled hairs and ingrowing hairs at the top of my legs. Now, I've had this before, and that is a sign of vitamins or can be a sign of vitamin C deficiency. I noticed this coming back with Carnival. Whenever I had oranges to bump up the vitamin C, it went away. When I didn't have the oranges, it came back. Now i wasn't testing my blood because there's no point because it's going to be low but clearly i was vitamin c deficient because taking vitamin c fixed that problem now that's not a big problem i wasn't falling apart i didn't have scurvy or anything like that but what if i was doing it for the long term a long long time strict pure carnivore would i have had more issues i don't know i don't really want to get scurvy i don't want to find out But I had issues with vitamin C. And this is something that, again, people aren't really talking about. They're listening to people like Bart K and so on, who's very good, I respect him, saying that we don't need vitamin C as much because of the GLUT4 transporters not transporting glucose anymore, so they're not out-competing vitamin C and so on. And look, I used to tell patients the same thing. I told myself the same thing. But clearly, I was still having issues with vitamin C deficiency. I just was not getting enough. Lastly, I want to talk a little bit about LP little A and oxidized LDL in my HPA1C. Now I checked LP little A prior to starting carnivore. I haven't checked it since. I'm going to do some recent, some new blood tests. soon. I'm going to do my full LDL subfraction. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to do a massive batch of blood tests and post them on the channel publicly so people can criticize and critique and whatever they want to do with them. LB little a is a carrier for oxidized LDL and it was previously undetectable. So the likelihood is that probably hasn't changed a great deal, but I'm going to do oxidized LDL and things down the line. I wish I'd done it. I didn't. I recommend all my patients do it now, but I didn't do it myself. I really wish I had. HbA1c, this is a marker for type 2 diabetes and a pseudo marker for insulin resistance. Mine prior to starting carnivore was 4.8%, down here. Towards the end of carnivore, and bearing in mind this is a three month average, so I know people are gonna say, oh yeah, but you were eating some sugar and things here and there. Look, this is a three month average. When I said I was adding in some sugar and some fruit, we're talking like 10, 15 grams of carbs. Okay, that is not going to make any difference. Still well within the keto diet space. Well within ketosis. It went up to 5.2%. Now I know people are going to say, well, sorry, I wasn't sharing the screen there. So it was 4.8% prior to carnivore, 5.2% towards the end of carnivore. I know people are going to say, okay, but you know, carnivores, red blood cells live longer, HbA1c is going to go up. That may be true. And hopefully it is true. But I haven't actually seen any evidence to support that. And I still I've looked for studies. I can't find any studies that actually say that this is a thing that this actually happens. I'm not sure where this actually comes from there may be some truth to it. And it may be true. And I hope it is. And if anyone out there knows studies that do show this, that do say this categorically, that a low insulin state, carnivore diet, keto, whatever, increases red blood cell lifespan, great, please send it to me. I will publicly retract that. But I haven't seen any evidence that actually says that happens on a carnivore diet. So I think it's a little bit blasé to just say, well, this is a thing, this happens, who cares about HbA1c going up? HbA1c when going up is a marker that your red blood cells are getting more glycosylated or more, more glycated, I should say. That's a concern. That's an issue. I believe all of this basically points to a chronic stress response. And that's what I've started to talk to my patients about now as well. I can't prove this because I didn't do the DHEA's. I didn't do the cortisol DHEA's. I believe all this actually comes down to a chronic stress response. Every time I introduced a little bit of sugar, I'm talking 10, 15 grams, things got better. I felt better. My blood's generally improved. Going animal-based showed a pretty significant improvement, again, in most of those markers. Liver function improved. My testosterone improved and so on. And I felt a lot better. But that also brought a lot of issues, which I'll also talk about in another episode. So where am I at now? I've basically done 12 over 12 months of carnivore now. But this was like my 12 month review, which has been a little bit delayed in the filming due to various issues. Am I still recommending carnivore diet to friends, family, patients? Well, yes, actually, kind of. I recommend strict carnivore, as an elimination diet but not as a long-term diet i'm going to cover that in more detail in my kind of professional review with more insights from data from my patients but i recommend it as an elimination diet and that is what i believe the carnivore diet is at its heart it's an elimination diet elimination diets can be done long term but they may not be optimal and that's what i want to be i want to be optimal and i want my patients to be optimal as well I believe the carnivore diet has given me or shown me this kind of chronic stress response. And there is some evidence to support that a chronic stress response can happen in long-term ketosis. That was actually just, again, I mentioned, I was just off the podcast with Sally Norton. She actually did mention this off-air, but she was also mentioning that this can also be a thing, that ketosis long-term can cause this chronic stress response. Ketosis, keto diets, zero carb, fasting, all of these things, these are what we call hormetic stressors. And what that means is it's both good and bad. It has negatives and it has positives. But where on this kind of scale does that needle lie? And things like fasting, it can be very, very good to start with. So very much into the advantageous same with keto. But then over time, what can happen is it can start to drop into this is a negative. Now, I believe From myself, with my patients, that that zero carb exacerbates this problem with ketosis. And this is what people like Paul Saladino were talking about. Again, I know he gets a lot of hate. I don't think he's necessarily right, the animal-based diet, but I do think he's probably right that a long-term strict carnivore diet may not necessarily be the best thing either for people. I believe, genuinely believe, that a long-term keto diet, or long-term ketosis, I should say, may not also be beneficial, or optimal. It's probably fine. But I don't think it's necessarily optimal. And what I recommend now what I do myself, what I recommend to my patients is a relaxed ketovore approach. So I'm calling it the primal fusion diet, you're welcome to check out the guide, I'll put a link in the episode description. It's really what I think is a, is a natural human diet. And that's what it's based on. It's what would we naturally do if we were out in the wild. Now, again, I'm going to go into more detail in my professional review video, but just very briefly, I'm talking about eating sugar and I know people are going to be freaking out. They're going to go crazy. I'm probably going to lose a ton of subscribers making this video, but this is why you watch the channel because you want my honest opinions on what's going on. This is why I do these experiments for people. The zero carb nature of carnivore is a fallacy. We know that. And that's why Sean Baker called it the carnivore diet, not zero carb. But it's still very, very close to zero carb. And that is a problem. If you were doing carnivore in the wild, okay, if you just went out and you hunted meat, you were out in the wild, you would not be zero carb. You would be eating approximately 10 to 15, maybe 20 grams of sugar per day, just from meat, from muscle glycogen, from liver, from organs. Even if you just ate the muscle meat, because people are gonna say, oh, well, don't eat the liver. Even if you just ate the muscle meat, it's gonna be about 10 to maybe 15, maybe 20 grams of sugar, just from meat alone. We get, on average, probably about one to two grams, maybe a little bit more from the same amount of meat buying it from the butcher, the supermarket, wherever you're buying your meat from. Unless you're going out and hunting it wild, and eating it basically pretty much there and then, you're not getting the same amount of sugar that you would get in the wild. When you add that little bit back in, bam, everything improves. That's a little bit of a coincidence. The other thing that we would do in the wild is if there's fruit and vegetables available, you would eat them. You would eat them. People say there's no vegans in the wild. There's not. There's also no carnivores in the wild. If you are humans, if you found fruit and you're dying, you are going to eat that. And that's what we've been doing mostly for the last kind of 5 million years of human evolution. We have been hunter-gatherers. There's a lot of evidence to support this. We would have been eating some fruit. We would have been eating some honey and things here and there, above-ground vegetables, which were easily accessible. And this is what I teach on my primal fusion diet. This is a lot more in line with Dr. Ken Berry's proper human diet as well, which is not a strict carnivore diet. So anyone that's criticizing me on this video saying, oh, I'm a sugar shill and whatever, I know what the comments are gonna say. Look, basically Ken Berry's proper human diet is pretty much exactly the same as what I'm talking about. But I believe he's focusing a bit too much on just, you can have any vegetables. I don't think he's talking enough about anti-nutrients, oxalates, lectins, you know, these kinds of things as well. But I think he's very much along the right lines with his proper human diet. I believe that this is the best thing for me. Your mileage may vary. Of course, this is my 12-month carnivore review. But I wanted to talk about it because I have had issues. I don't think it's perfect. I don't think the zero-carb nature of the carnivore diet is the right thing in the long term. I think it's amazing as an elimination diet. But I do genuinely believe that almost all of the benefits I've seen from the carnivore diet have been from taking out the oxalates, not from taking out all of that sugar. And I think a ketogenic low oxalate diet is probably the best thing for most people. And then cycling that with maybe occasional carb refeeds, again, we're not talking animal-based levels, we're talking maybe like 100, 150 grams of sugar, that's pretty much it, I think is probably the best thing. So I'm not talking about huge amounts of carbs, I'm talking about 10, 15 grams of sugar a day. Obviously non-toxic, we're not talking about adding seed oils and all that other stuff back in. I believe carnivore diet has been incredible for me for that, giving me that knowledge, taking out toxins, taking out the seed oils, taking out all the plant toxins, eating high fat, reducing the sugar, being in nutritional ketosis most of the time, avoiding all the processed food and so on. And it really did help me to cure my sugar addiction. That is very, 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 very true. I still definitely stick to that. But I think the long-term, zero-carb nature, this chronic stress response, I don't think it's a great thing. I'm going to talk more about that from a patient perspective and what I've seen with my patients in my professional review. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Yes, it's a bit controversial. Yes, I'm going to get hate for it. No, I'm not going down the poor Saladino animal-based route. I did try that. It did have some issues as well. I don't think he is ultimately correct with that as well. I think probably the person who's got it mostly right is Dr. Ken Berry. Again, the utmost respect for him. If Ken Berry listens to this and he wants to come on the show, exchange podcast, look, please get in touch. I would definitely love to talk to you. But I do think he talks a little bit too much about just freely eating vegetables i don't think that's the right thing either i think these anti nutrients do need to be focused on and i also think that maybe this long term ketogenic diet also is an issue and i think we need to be maybe cycling those carbs what i would encourage you guys to do is to think about what you're actually doing that should be the takeaway here don't just blindly follow people don't blindly follow me That's what I'm saying. Don't blindly follow people like Baker, Chafee, Berry, all these other people. Do your own research. I say this all the time to people, all the time to my patients. Do your own research. Get your bloods done. Don't just kind of depend on these people blindly following these influencers who are not getting these tests done. You know, they might look great and they talk a good talk, but are they getting these stress markers checked? Are they getting their hormones levels checked? Are they getting their insulin resistance levels checked? Are they getting their cholesterol levels checked, their triglycerides? Are they doing LDL subfractions and oxidized LDL, gamma GT and inflammatory markers and all these other things, which really are very, very important for your health that I've seen having issues with myself and with my patients on a long-term carnivore diet. They're not getting those done, yet they're telling you they feel incredible. That's exactly what they accuse vegan influencers of doing. Not showing their data, not being honest and saying they feel amazing on a vegan diet. And they're doing the same thing. What I would encourage people to do is not just blindly listen to people. Do your own research, be your own person, get your own tests done, look at those results. Make your own decisions and don't be afraid to just vary, vary a little bit from that strict carnivore, maybe into more of a proper human diet, Primal Fusion diet, link in the description below again. Whatever works for you, ultimately, that's the best thing. But I think it has to work for you. Hopefully, I've not lost all my subscribers. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I apologize if I've ranted a little bit. I wanted to make a detailed, in-depth review. Um, I'll be doing a professional review on my podcast, again, from my doctor perspective, which is, again, basically the same thing, but just in more detail what I've seen happening with patients. I will better explain my position, better explain my rationale. Thank you, guys. I'll see you in the next episode.